0: everybody, welcome back to Afros and Convos. Hey, it's Kika. Hey, it's Drea here.
1: Hey, it's Camille. And it's Cookie. As always, like and subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, at AfrosandConvos on IG, email us at afrosandconvos at gmail.com, check out the website at combos.com How is everybody doing? Wonderful. Great.
0: Doing
2: good.
1: That's wonderful because it's time for trending combos. So listen, let's get just jump on right in. Okay, listen now. uh, One of the biggest stories that happened, you know, moving markets and shit. Uh, Listen, Uh, y'all. Bill and Melinda then called it quits. Hello. Um the gates have been married 25 years the gates have been married bill and melinda gates have been married for 27 years and they are calling it quits now look i get listen when i saw it i remember i was sitting at, at the kitchen table and a notification came on my phone i said what bill and melinda are getting <laughs> a divorce Listen, I guess they said we done built this massive-ass company, we done sent you know, niggas to college and paid for school through the, the foundation, <laughs> we done made clean water up in the, the whole wide world, and now we in the midst of uh, uh, curing a pandemic, what more can we give y'all? Listen, we tired, we tired, we're tired of each other, and we tired, okay? So we talk of each other. What What was y'all's first thoughts when y'all saw that?
0: Um, I opened Instagram and that was literally the first news, and I was like, "Wait, what?" (laughs) Like when people are married that long and get a divorce, in my head, I'm always like, "But how? Y'all been married like 15, 11 years, like." That's a long time. But then I was just like, okay, the kids is grown. It's COVID. Maybe. I don't know. But I was shocked. I I honestly just, it was just shocking. And then I was just like, wow. Okay. Well, people, marriages fall apart. And a lot of marriages have been falling apart in the last year and a half. So, but I was shocked. And then I was like, man, she about to be paid because they had no prenup, and that's a lot of money on the table. But, I was shocked, though.
1: My first thought was, is there a prenup? Because I knew they had been married for forever. And, I mean, it's like she about to be paid, but she already is. What Mm -hmm. you mean? I mean, like... That's true. I mean, honestly, she got access to more now, probably, than she gonna have after they get divorced. It's just gonna be in her name only. That's, death, yeah, sure. that's true um but yeah I was really honestly I wasn't super surprised not that I know them or like he told me they was having miracle problems I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly there's just not very much that really surprises me anymore and so yeah uh, my first thought was I wonder if they have a prenup Mm.
2: See me. I, I did enough. some research. I was like, now when she with him, when did windows come out? I was like, I remember windows ninety five. When they get married, I was like, well she was she was with him she was in the gym, wasn't she? So then I was like, I was like uh, it was an article that said that they they rather they want to continue working together and they want to support mm-hmm. each other in that working relationship, but they don't want to be married no more. And I was like, that's usually usually people start working together and they don't want. Maybe that's what it is. But they've been working together for our whole life, so I was like, "Man, why would you? I wonder what it is that makes you want to continue working with this for, part person, but not go home with them." And I think I come to the conclusion: I think Bill want to be a hoe. Cause if y'all saw Black Twitter, what? Man, if y'all saw Black Twitter about uh... that's the quote of the week: Bill want to be a hoe. Everybody was shoot that
1: shot and
0: Belinda
1: and Bill's uh,
2: DMs. Did
1: y'all see oh, that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because <No>, <laughs> <laughs> You haven't seen that? Uh-uh. Girl, it is girl, everywhere. It's like, hilarious. I, I would pay money right now to see their DMs. Honestly, like no lie, no over-exaggeration. I would literally pay money to see them because the screenshots I have seen of the messages people have been sending are hilarious. Hilarious. And
2: I was like, man, you invested all this time. You owe, but you got money. Because, you know, usually once you get to that point, it's just like, man, I don't even feel like learning no one else. I don't feel like doing this. We're going to work this out. Now, nah. Bill wants the homes. <laughs> and Melinda might too. I, well, let me not, Let me just
1: make it on Bill. <laughs> Melinda might want the hose too. So. Bill what the hose is a shirt. <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting that you that you said that because in in conjunction with them splitting and then you know Jeff Bezos and his wife split and then it's um uh Al Gore and his wife just split so it's been a bunch of like these high profile mm. splits of like people who have been married for decades and apparently like it's a trend like people who have been married for or like they call it uh the people who study this they call it the gray divorce where you've been married for 20 plus years and then you decide to get a divorce and apparently it's it the divorce rates are rising among them and like completely going down with younger couples and a lot of that has to do with one obviously like with older couples they become empty nesters and like they stop having to juggle schedules and all this other shit and they realize hey i uh actually don't really like you or like we don't really have that much in common like we thought we did when <laughs> we was juggling work and all that stuff. Now we're retired and we sit and look at each other all day. I don't really like you. Um, and then versus younger couples who are like waiting to get married, they're waiting to become, you know, financially stable and have the job and yeah. all of these be on a, a career trajectory that makes sense for them. And marriage is more so like a I want to be with somebody instead of it being like a this is what you do because you're an adult like and that's just what you're supposed to do so they're making more educated decisions about partners or whatever so i thought that was pretty interesting that you know it's been happening widespread um and apparently it's a trend and not just amongst the rich like no numbers are going up amongst these older older folks who's been together for forever so yeah i thought that was interesting oh and then i think also we live in a time where I know women specifically are more in general they're more financially uh secure more financially yeah. independent yeah. whereas in previous decades and generations a lot of women stayed because they didn't have the choice to leave because they didn't have nothing right like everything was in the man's name and they only had what he gave them but I think and coming up in now in a time where relationships seem to be more equal as far as access to resources or even earning power because women mm. are earning a lot more than men nowadays.
0: Yeah. Um. In
1: some in some uh, demographics, so I think that that has probably shifted the mindset in marriages. Yeah. And the decreased stigma behind divorce too. Like, I mean, you know, so it's something that, you know, older couples who like before this generation who are now trying to get divorced after decades, like it was taboo. Like you did not get a divorce. Mm -hmm. It was not an option. You just stuck through it. So a lot of those couples probably felt the same way that these couples feel now. They just couldn't quote unquote, get a divorce, couldn't get a divorce. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think, I I mean, that was, that was really interesting. I was very, very, uh, you know, uh, uh, ha- happy at, to see that the numbers amongst the younger couples were, were doing good. So, yeah. And what I will say another thought that I had was, I wonder if they're actually going to do it. Like, if they're actually going to follow all the way through with it. But then after that, I had the thought of how private they are with their personal lives. So I'm like, if they have reached the point where they're putting out a statement, I would think that it's pretty much a done deal. Yeah. 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 And then based off of how they're going about getting it with their separate, so they don't have a prenup, but they have a separation agreement and in, where are they? Washington State, I think. So, based off of how they are going through and getting the divorce, their divorce can be finalized within 90 days. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's wow. not a long thought out, like, we got years to think about it, and then we're going to end up getting back together. Now, they, prob- they, they probably finna go through. And then, like you said, them being private, the fact that they've made a public statement, they done shook up some stuff, you know what I mean? And, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure they don't go through with it. This isn't like a California divorce where it's like, oh, I've been getting divorced for the past 10 years. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, that's all I
0: got. I will go next. Um, First, I would like to... My news is going to be more internationally based. So first... um, I would like to say May is Asian Pacific Heritage Month or Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And I just wanted to um, highlight that and note that especially with everything that's going on in our country with the rise of anti-asian um violent attacks and just um racist acts towards this community i just wanted to highlight that and shout out to our listeners who are in this community just want to say we love you we see you we stand with you in solidarity and we appreciate um your contributions to i know We have personal relationships with people in this community as well as just our listeners who listen. So um, shout out to you all in this month. And I hope that, you know, more awareness is brought to this community and not only the struggles that they face in this country, but also the great contributions and positive things that they have brought about. Um, My next piece of news is on Colombia. So have you guys heard about what's going on there? Mm -hmm. No, they are dealing with week-long anti-government protests. So their president, Yvonne Duque, um, because, you know, a lot of countries have been badly affected in different ways by COVID. Um, Colombia is one of those countries that has been terribly affected. Their president, in an effort to try and... um, rejuvenize the economy and deal with the economic um issue uh put a tax like tax reform because the u.s and other countries we have the revenue to be able to like you know give out stimulus but they don't because they countries like that heavily um rely on exports and so without the revenue from there, they have to tax things. So he put out a tax reform to try and figure out how he could stimulate the economy. People were not going for it because they were like, it's going to negatively impact lower and middle class, therefore making that wage gap bigger and causing greater inequalities. So they started a a protest about that. Well, the police came out and was just like, nah, y'all can't protest and began attacking them. And so as of, I believe today, there have been 24 reported deaths, one of them being a police officer, and there are 89 people that are missing. Oh. So what's what started off as this like, no, we don't want these tax reforms and, you know, this is not cool, has now escalated to this week-long thing of anti-government, um, anti-police brutality, um anti just uh, uh social injustices in the in that nation. And so I've seen kind of trickles of it here and there but um I, I saw I posted on like CNN and so I started reading the article and I I wanted to bring that up because it, we're seeing this trend um worldwide of citizens of nations rising up. So no longer just accepting and taking, you know, injustices or just letting government set tones for them but they're standing up rising up and protesting but they're being met with violent responses even to the point of in Colombia they were saying cases of the police that were armed were shooting people at point blank range and um I I I, I would I'm it's just crazy to me to see what's going on in the world but even specifically in this case it just seems like there is a Um, a big shaking across the world in terms of just standing for what is right, but we're being met by governments who aren't responding in any form of solidarity. Um, But but what are y'all thoughts concerning that? If y'all have any?
1: Um, I think that, I mean, I think even if you aren't standing for what's quote unquote right, like even if you're standing for what is what later in history deemed to be wrong or other people considered to be wrong, like, you sh- should still have the right to be able to say and vocalize what it is that you, what you think and how you believe, especially if you are willing to protest that in a peaceful way, yeah. then um, that should not be met by violent opposition from the government. I think that yeah. that's, I mean, as you're telling the story, is very, it sounds very reminiscent to me of like what, what has been going on in Hong Kong as they were like protesting, becoming part of mainland China and how, you know, like the government um, was pretty violently combating them in their efforts against that. And it's just, I don't know, like censorship is just scary to me. And it's just, like certain government's willingness to oppress people's voices to the point of physical violence is, I mean, that, that's scary because when yeah. it, that is how history gets altered, that is how, uh, and by history gets altered, I mean like that is how later uh, accounts of history get told in a manner that's not actually accurate to way, the yeah. way it happened. And that is is how generational mindsets are shifted based on available information. And so I don't, it just, it just sounds like censorship. And that's a very scary thing. How long has this been happening?
0: Uh, For about a week now. About a week. And the president has like um, retracted or, Taken back the tax um, reform bill. And it's, I think, because of the way that the police responded in such a militarized way that the protests have just escalated. So now it's just a point of anger against being treated that way.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that Colombia is one of, like... Okay, I think it's interesting that that's the response of the government to protest, but that's not the response of them to... The cartels that are killing and hanging people. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just like you yep. can't respond I mean I, I know because y'all on the payroll um, mm. but <laughs> you can't respond to people losing, losing their families people literally being hung from their family businesses but you can send the police out to stop a protest because people don't want to pay the taxes because of the economic position that they're in and then to, the fact that we're seeing this same type of censorship in, like, I guess in countries that I didn't expect to see it is, like, mind-boggling. But I yeah. literally thought of, like, China, communists. What are you, what are you trying mm-hmm. to control? What like? Yeah. And it's mostly the narrative. And also, I'm sure there's some financial gain from that. But that's shocking to hear that Colombia is doing that.
0: Yeah. I think stuff like that is, it's... It's on one hand, I don't know if encouraging is the word, but it's encouraging to see that there is a generation that is standing for what is right and to the point of um, protest and saying enough is enough. But on the other hand, it points to just greater flaws. And it's scary, like Drea said, to think about the repercussions of protest because you are essentially saying that you are risking your life for this and it's will history tell the story in a matter that was accurate or will it tell the story in a matter of that, which was in power. Um, but I just want to bring that up to just kind of, you know, talk about in, in solidarity with the, the fight for, um, Equity, equality, and justice. just seems to be a thing that is a um, not just germane to one specific uh, people group.
1: Okay, so I,
0: I mean, well, you just dropped the heavy bomb in my lap. <laughs> I guess, uh, uh, <laughs>
1: try to try to brighten things up a little bit <laughs> on a on a brighter note. Um, <laughs> I. I'm going to say a wave is coming because I'm hoping a wave is coming. I'm hoping there is a shift that some momentum is being gained because Shakir O'Neal,
0: which you
1: cannot tell by his name is Shakir (laughs) O'Neal's son. And he has committed to Texas Southern university in Houston and to play basketball. I mean, you might've drawn that conclusion because (laughs) he's Shaquille. But, (laughs) <laughs> just want to make it clear um yeah he's Shaq's youngest son and he has committed to t- Texas Southern yes he um I almost said Texas a and I don't know where that came from that is not the school he's going to <laughs> um he was in the top 100 of recruits across the nation and he intentionally committed to an HBCU because he's you know It was actively a choice to shift the narrative about HBCUs, which I'm here for. It's not like, oh, they just made me the best offer, so I went there. It's like, no, I'm consciously making this choice for the culture. And honestly, they probably did not make him the best offer. Oh, absolutely (laughs) not. I'm sure they could not even have begun to afford to make him the best offer. Um, His older brother started at UCLA and is now at LSU, which Shaq went to LSU. So I'm sure they're treating him quite well there, Um, but yeah, hey, shout out to him. He's going to HBCU. What are you all's thoughts? Do you all think that? Do do y'all think there is a shift happening? Absolutely, I am, and I'm here for it. I am here. I I love this like i there has been a concerted effort though over the like it's been decades though of not decades maybe a decade of people trying to have conversations around driving black athletes to hbcus like this Mm -hmm. has been a continuous Mm -hmm. conversation since i was in an hbcu and that was 10 years ago so i i'm very very appreciative that this is like catching on and that you know just like everything like that catalyst that happened over this past summer the pandemic with people also like the pandemic and also george floyd and the protests and all of that but it's like been a moment of people reflecting about what is actually important like in being and using your platform you are shaquille o'neal's son like where you go Matters yep. Yep. and being intentional about that choice. Same with um oh boy, uh Deion Sanders and taking his son and uh uh mm-hmm. Master P and his son going to TSU. Like all of these yeah. big name mm-hmm. people who are making the choice to go. And it's not even just them. The, there are other top recruits who are not from, you know, families like entertainment, the entertainment and sports world who are choosing to go to HBCUs. Right. And I am like Right. I'm like in love with it. Like mm-hmm. I this is going to be it, it is definitely going to be a shift and I hope like you know HBCUs, you know, continue to get this, you know, momentum and this shift going so that the narrative is definitely changed. Which that's what um, I'm saying like do you think it's a flash in the pan or do you think that it is this is legitimately we are actually seeing a shift. I think like, I, like, I think it's a shift happening. I think it is a shift happening.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think it is a shift. I'm here for it 100%. Um I think especially when you talk stats of how many NBA players are currently and historically have even gone to the drafts, I mean to play pro in the NBA, um it's pretty much non-existent, but I'm I my only apprehension is if it's a thing of we go to an HBCU and then we transfer to a power five or a big school um, it, because you could have it, them not stay at that school for the entirety of their career, which that'll say something in itself. But I, I, I agree. I think it's a shift. There are other, um, top recruits that have been in the conversations of considering HBCUs that have spoken out saying I'm strongly considering this HBCU um, and we're just seeing a lot of athletes saying yeah like I'm going to place value on this athletic programs at HBCUs and take my talents there which that's a game changer on I, so many levels.
1: I th- I hear what you're saying, but I think that the fact that they are choosing HBCUs on signing day is like gonna garner way more attention than them choosing to transfer somewhere else. Like, yes, you you do hear about people transferring and yeah, now they're playing here or whatever, but the amount of attention that comes with the choice, the initial choice of a high school senior making to go to a school garners way more attention than any transfer decision that they make. And I'm also like... I'm speaking about a shift for HBCUs in the the grand scheme, not just in the sports world. Like, and I think that the sports world mm-hmm. is going to pull along everything else, and like people that are not athletes wanting to go to an HBCU because the trending, you know, influencer types of the the sons of the these great, you know, entertainers or whatever are choosing to go there. So I think just in general yeah. i think the shift of making a choice to be around people who look like you for these formative years i think is happening so i'm here for it point. but i do think that the the transfer conversation does bear weight when you look at things like the number of at well specific speaking specifically from the athletic arena athletes that go professional or that are drafted from Mm -hmm. programs, then I think if you've left the program, if like you're, if you started TSU and then you get drafted from LSU, like drafted from LSU. So I think that there's still weight to that, but also I think that the weight varies in conversation by sport because I mean, basketball players, a lot of them don't even well really top tier don't even necessarily play all four years. So, that's a totally different conversation than football where, yeah, yeah. they're, they're going to play all four years. Yeah, so.
2: Yeah. On, on who you are. But yeah, that's what I was thinking about this shit. I mean,
1: and if you don't want to die. <laughs> yeah,
2: <that's good>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the shift or the sustainability of the shift, in my opinion is going to be based on those draft numbers. Like, are you staying at that HBCU for those, that three to four years and are you getting drafted? Like, if I, I think if people see these players going to HBCUs and getting drafted, those numbers will continue to rise. But if not, I think we may see that shift that Keith was talking about and transfer to, like, oh, I know if I go to Duke, they're going to see me versus mm-hmm. playing at TSU. So. Yeah.
0: But even if
1: initially that happens, like, and in, in where it's like, okay, I feel I would have a better chance of getting drafted somewhere else so I'm going to transfer. Even if initially that happens, the money that will come with athletes who are choosing to go to, like, these big-name athletes who are choosing to go to these places could potentially make even if they're only there for a temporary time, like turn around athletic programs at HBCUs to make them more attractive in the long Mm -hmm. run. Like now it's going to take some years, right? But uh, as people keep choosing like this to go to an HBCU, even if they do choose to transfer, money follows them. So, you know, maybe um, eventually it'll be an option to where people are being drafted from HBCUs more and more often. And we're having conversations about them being drafted from hbcus but yeah I, I i i take yeah i i hear that that transfer piece yeah is yeah i didn't think about that
0: yeah but it's but it's huge nonetheless like to yeah, have sure. mm-hmm. the thought of just even thinking of like even me i didn't go to many basketball games at or well yeah i didn't go to a lot of sporting games at tsu as a student when mm. i heard that is it her? Hershey got recruited. I was like, oh, I may have to slide in a basketball game. That's me as a student, pre- previous student here and go, and now I'm an alum. Now I think about folks in the city that were like, oh, I want to catch if nothing else. I'm trying to catch Shaq. I'm trying to catch Deion Sanders. I'm trying to catch Eddie George. I'm I'm not even here for the game. I'm just in the, you know, I'm just in the a- arena to just see these people and the celebrity mm-hmm. that comes with them. And we're in a time where celebrity, whether it is real or, or imagined, is, is huge. Mm-hmm. And so even that pulling people, I think, is a big deal. Even if Deion Sanders only coaches two years at Jackson State and leaves, it's there's there's a there's a, a fact that will come you know out of it and I think that I mean it's a multifaceted conversation but I'm here for it. I hope it continues. I think it will continue and I think that there will be ultimately a momentum to say that HBCUs are qualified programs that crank out players that are competing at a level that they can go pro.
1: But, but I will say I think if Deion Sanders coaches two years and leaves, that there will be an issue. Yeah, I agree. But while he's there, you know what I'm saying? Like the field is much smaller than an LSU is much smaller than an Alabama. Yeah. So like, if you're trying to see Deion, you could yeah. go, you could almost touch him. Like you, you like right there. Like that's true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just thinking about from the perspective of, of the. Of the recruits. Like if you came and sat on my mama couch and said that you care about me as a person on and off the field and I've committed four years of my life to you and yep. then you dip after two, I think that that's a serious issue.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. That's yeah.
1: Unless he get fired. But I don't see that happening. <laughs> he ain't getting fired. <laughs> okay, but this is like the perfect segue into my next point, which is so the NFL draft happened earlier this week. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like over of course Over of a weekend. million days. Yeah. Most people only watch the first day, but it keeps going on till eternity to around fifty seven. And so um there were two hundred and fifty nine overall picks. And of the two hundred and fifty nine picks, zero came from HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so i think this just furthers the conversation that we were just i'm actually very surprised by that because i'm like when we went to school people were getting drafted people were getting drafted from tsu and it wasn't like i mean it wasn't a whole slew of people but i mean it was one at least a year you know and so for none In the entirety, the eternity that is the draft and nobody came from an HBCU, that's actually very shocking to me. And so it's like, I need there to be more value placed on these guys that are coming from these schools and that you don't have to be coming from these top tier programs to actually have value
0: and have value as a player. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that and I was... I was shocked too. Um, that just that makes no sense. Almost 300 guys and not one. Not one. Like that, that, that's baffling to me. And it just yeah, that's that's baffling to me. Like, yeah.
2: And they play good football. Like me and Andrea was watching the swag championship. I was in there like I knew them folks from were uh, UAPB. That was such good football. <laughs> yeah. They're so talented. Why is no one getting drafted? That's that's unheard of. When I saw that, I was like, yeah. "What? Not one?" Well, I had some <laughs> other news, but I'm gonna just go to this. Did y'all did y'all see the red table talk with Willow um, talking about polyamory?
1: I didn't. I, don't I didn't see show. it, but I, I I heard about it.
2: So I'm, You know, I Willow is interesting. Um. But I do, there are parts, aspects of uh, Jada's parenting that I, that I hope to adopt. I love how um, open they are, and I love the conversations they have. Um, but in this, she had, one of the things they were highlighting was uh, black people who participate in polyamory, because most of the people you see um, in polyamory are white. And so I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. So she invited this one girl who was a partner to this man who was married to this woman who also had a boyfriend. And so... Um, Ooh, so
1: I need yeah, a I need you to say that again. <laughs> well, yeah, say We're that again. <laughs> so it was this,
2: this black girl, she's dating this man. This man is married to his wife. His wife also has a boyfriend.
0: Okay, they both got side pieces. Oh, got you. but like... Okay. But no, but like...
1: The, okay, but the the wife's boyfriend is not involved with the husband's girlfriend no oh wow i ain't oh. never heard of that kind of polyamory so, yeah, it's like really, okay really wow
0: wait how, that don't sound like polyamory that just sound like they're cheating on each other well
2: and then, the, <laughs> then I mean, the other girl the main girl she has other relationships too i think she has two more
1: relationships oh. outside That
2: relationship, but they're
1: not all involved no No, that's. I have yeah, I've only heard of polyamory As in there are multiple people within one relationship, but not multiple separate relationships. Yeah, so I was Hmm.
2: fascinated and intrigued by this, and um, so one of the so Gammy's Gam is funny. She's just like, she said, I realize that I don't have to understand, (laughs) and that's okay. (laughs) So basically, there was this um, debate between uh, polyamory versus monogamy. And um, Willow spoke for the younger generation and was just like basically seeing, um, like monogamy as this awful thing because that's what they saw. These are the examples. It looks you're gonna end in divorce. That doesn't look fun. It looks horrible. You're forced to be with this one person. And so one of the examples that uh, she was talking to Gam and she was just like, like, have you ever like been in a room and you just want to love all those people equally? And she was like, no. <laughs> And she's like, well I, well, I can't help you then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it was fascinating. <laughs> said, she she get was just like, I
2: don't get it. But one of the major uh, questions that I want to bring to you guys is um, there was a debate about which relationship do you think takes more work? And uh, the people, because it was multiple people who were polyamory, and their backgrounds are interesting, um, that came on the red table. And they say that they believe it takes more work to be in a polyamorous relationship versus a monogamous relationship, because you have to give each partner their time. Like he was like, sometimes my wife gets mad if I'm late because I'm supposed to meet with her, but I'm out on a date with um, my girlfriend, and so I gotta be effective in communicating. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, Gabby was just like, it just sound like y'all just want to have a lot of sex. That's what it sounded like to me. She said, "You sleep with what?" Like you know, <laughs> she was. Like- <laughs> I don't have to understand. But my question to you guys: Do you think that polyamory is more difficult than a monogamous relationship,
0: or not? I mean, are we talking like just simply balancing it, or like the effort in terms of what it requires in like growth and what you're investing in yourself? Is that what you're saying?
2: Total relationship.
0: I mean, yeah, it requires more work because you're literally with multiple people. So you're having to split your time and, and get to like, practically you're getting to know several people an intimate level. You're trying to figure out what they like, don't like, you're trying to, I would assume that the goal is to build intimate, healthy relationship that in itself takes work. And you're trying to do that with multiple people at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah that yeah that sounds like it does require a lot more work just like logistically um in terms of just in comparison I would think it requires the same level of like speaking into the individual relationships you have I would think it would require as much investment as one who is healthy who is willing to give, yeah. um, I don't I think relationships are difficult period but the difficulty is in proportion to how much you're willing to invest and how much you're willing to do work to love that person which I mean that's that's a unselfish act that's going to require a lot from you. I think the fact that it requires more is because you're doing it with multiple people not because like this one specific way of doing relationship is just so much more difficult. Relationships period are difficult based on what you give to it honestly i
1: i i disagree i think monogamy is probably more hard Hmm. just because of the fact that you have to be the person like your partner's everything and if you are like if you're slipping in a particular area they're still looking for you to pick up in that particular area whereas if i'm polyamorous and i Mm. i feel like i can you can be more set in your ways in in a polyamorous relationship and it just be like i i'm not going to give that to you that's not something that i can give to you you can go get that from whoever else you want to i feel like in a monogamous relationship you have to stretch yourself so much to be and meet and compromise way more than you have to do in a polyamorous relationship i almost feel like I know for me, if I was in a polyamorous relationship, it's like, look, you get what you get and that's all you get. You ain't, I'm not stretching and doing nothing or go find you somebody else to do that. I'm not willing to do that. So go find somebody else. Whereas in a monogamous relationship, I have to, if if I'm not... like people have needs and if you don't meet those Mm -hmm. needs and those wants and uh, whatever and if you're in a monogamous relationship you're the only person that they can go to to have those certain needs and wants met and I feel like that's a lot more onus on a person who's a part of a monogamous relationship to me so that's a good
0: point I didn't think about that that's true I switch I
1: I think that there is a level of stretch and growth and maturity and selflessness that is required to continuously choose the same person that is not necessary. If you have the choice to choose someone else. (laughs) I mean, when, when I think about marriage and it's supposed to be, you know, like a reflection of, uh, Christ and his love for us and, and his relationship with the church. And it's just like, it, Is completely mind blowing, baffling and humbling that God chooses me every single day over Mm -hmm. and over again, even when I don't choose him. And Mm so if I to be in a relationship that is supposed to reflect that, I mean, that is stretching Mm -hmm. and growing and that is a lifelong process that is difficult. But if you have the option to simply step outside of that Mm -hmm. and choose something else. Um, even if that something else comes with some extra activities on your calendar in some i mean it, at some level it still is a cop out on a relationship that you're in that yeah. you get the option to step outside of it and choose something else and so i think that your schedule might be more fruitful and okay that presents challenges especially if you are very introverted person Mm -hmm. if you extrovert you might be getting life from the the abundance (laughs) in your calendar right but as far as from the relational aspect I just don't see it I mean because even still because even okay he's married to her and she's dating someone else or whatever whatever but okay so say a few uh, A year from now, suddenly his girlfriend, eh, you know, I ain't really feeling you no more. Okay, well, I'm still just back with my wife. It's just like what? Like, (laughs) there's just this free flow. You can just jump in and jump out. That, I mean, commitment is what brings growth. Mm Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I
2: agree. That's what I thought. I was like, with the polyamory relationship, it's like you're choose. You have the choice not to grow, because you're like. I'm in this situation and we have to work this out, but I can choose not to work this out and go deal with Tyrone over here who, who doesn't require that of me. And whenever I feel like this relationship is doing too much or too difficult, I have the option to, okay, well, cool. Tyrone, Tyrone, do it the way I like it. Tyrone, Communicates in a way that I understand. Tyrone <laughs> is able to do everything that you're not able to do, and we ain't got to work through nothing. And I choose to stay where I am and not grow. Yeah. So I think you, I think you, the benefits, I, I think the growth in monogamy, I, I don't, I think there's some growth in polyamory as well, but I think it's different because you have the choice to leave at any time. And then I just wonder how they combat jealousy and envy because. You like you, I'm your wife and you late again because you out with your girlfriend but yeah, I, I was wondering if y'all had the same opinion Yeah, I was wondering if y'all had the same opinion because you know, they was like making this case that polyamory is more difficult and I was like, I can see how it could be more difficult because you know, your schedule a little more robust, but it sounds like you get to avoid the work of marriage or, mm-hmm. or of relationships in general Hmm. Fascinating. That's all I got, though.
0: All right. Well, that's all we have for you guys this week. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.